on 30th january 1948 mahatma gandhi was killed since uh, today is 28th january we are approaching his death anniversary and we should be should remember the father of our nation on how he brought people together <clears throat> and tried to create a sustainable development in india and on that basis and for that i have written quite a lot on the gandhian model and uh, this article that i wrote it was a book chapter on this book called timeless inspirator reliving gandhi which was uh, released in 2010 it was edited by dr marshalkar and published by sakar publications in pune gandhi ji not only gave india its freedom but also gave the world and us a new thought on non violence and sustainable living <clears throat> his teachings and experiments are more valid today than ever before especially when we are trying to find solutions to worldwide greed violence and runaway consumptive lifestyle which are putting a very heavy burden on the world's resources through ages india has time and again given to the world a new thought thus buddhism jainism yogic system sikhism are part of the great spiritual thought given by india from time to time gandhi ji's message of non violence and sustainable living is a continuation of that long tradition to my mind gandhi ji's greatest contribution to sustainable development was twofold firstly his experiments in simple living and high thinking he believed that with simple living the resources of this planet earth can sustain us comfortably and his famous saying that earth provides us enough for our needs but not for our greed is extremely apt today secondly his insistence on all inclusive growth of the society and hence his focus on rural development in fact for one third of his life he spoke on rural development and how to we to we can we develop the millions of villages of india i will try to show in this talk how both these issues are as relevant today as they were 100 years ago when gandhi ji enumerated them gandhi ji was a very highly evolved and spiritual human being to him spirituality came first other things like politics public life etc were by products of his spirituality also as a person progresses on the path of spirituality his or her priorities in life change the focus of life shifts more towards getting personal happiness through mental peace or by helping others and less on material needs greed and desires gandhi ji's experiments on simple and sustainable living followed his own spiritual progress he also realized from an early age the importance of a great body and mind in this he was following the tenets of ancient yogic system which stresses on the healthy body and a powerful mind thus all his experiments on food brahmacharya which is called celibacy 
and fasting came from this belief. Besides, he also realized that to fight a powerful enemy like Britain, he had to make his body temple extremely powerful so that it could sustain long fights. This meant that it had to need least amount of comforts and external inputs and thus Gandhiji showed that with simple living he could produce the highest quality of thought. To my mind, this was an ultimate example of sustainable living. The spirit of Bhagavad Gita's Karm Yoga guided him in his endeavors and he considered it as his duty to help his countrymen and fellow beings. There are many instances of people who saw his glowing skin, aura and felt the presence of his personality whenever they met him. That is only possible for a yogi of a very high order. My father who was involved in the freedom struggle and went to jail with Gandhiji told me of a remarkable instance. In early 1940s, just before the Quit India movement, a mammoth public meeting took place in Allahabad. Between half to a million people were present. Gandhiji was late for meeting. All the great leaders of independence movement were giving the speeches and trying to calm the crowd, which was quite restless. Then suddenly Gandhiji came, climbed on the dais and put a finger on his lips. A wave of silence swept the grounds, starting from the dais. My father termed it as a remarkable experience of the power of a small, frail man over the masses. Possessed with a great body and powerful mind, he also became fearless. And it is this quality of fearlessness which made him blaze new trails and produce novel political strategies like non-violence, satyagraha, etc. Time and again he showed his fearlessness by dealing with British on equal terms. In 1920s and 30s, during the height of colonial rule, such a behavior of a subject in front of his colonial masters was unique and provided a quantum jump in raising the consciousness of Indians. When the brain becomes very powerful, it also becomes sensitive to the surroundings. This is the genesis of non-violence and as this makes all life sacred. Gandhiji as a pujari or the priest of non-violence used it for everything including industrialization. He rightly thought the industrialization of 1920s to be a violent system with heavy machinery, very inefficient energy and materials conversion technologies and no concern for the environment. Intuitively, he revolted against those systems and felt that simple life with few needs and most of the daily things to be produced from locally available materials was non-violent and in tune with nature. Gandhiji was not anti-technology or science. He was a prisoner of his times. He always said that he was a pujari or a priest of a body temple and since it was the most complex, complex machinery in the world, so how could he be anti-machinery? He believed in rural-based and economically viable local production and consumption systems. Hence, he was against things being made in Bombay and shipped to rural areas. Similarly, he said that he objected to electricity being produced in Bombay and transmitted to Vardha, where his ashram was. He wanted it produced in Vardha from local resources, again showing his vision since decentralized power production is gaining currency. Not being a student of science or engineering, he could not express his feelings in, in a scientific way, but always talked about his dream village 
which he felt will be self-sufficient with its inhabitants living in harmony with nature. Modern technology which is following biomimicry allows for the first time to have a softer and efficient systems to achieve our purposes and for the Gandhian dream to become reality. I am sure if he were alive today, he would have felt that his dream village could have taken shape with the availability of internet connectivity, desktop manufacturing and small renewable energy power packs. His dream of giving employment and decent life to rural population may become possible with the availability of these energy efficient and high tech systems. As a spiritual being and visionary, Gandhiji was far ahead of his times. For example, he was energy conservator par excellence. He lived in his ashrams without electricity or any modern amenities. His insistence on the use of self or human labor for majority of needs was legendary and was usually frowned upon by his closest colleagues who thought it was anti-progress and pushing back India to stone ages. Nevertheless, with the development of sophisticated man-machine interface technologies like a free play radios, human-powered electricity producing units for laptops, cell phones, etc., the use of self-human labor may be able to solve the twin problems of obesity and energy. Gandhiji believed in all-inclusive growth and felt that India can only become a great nation when its teeming and impoverished rural masses become better off. He therefore focused on rural development for the last 30 years of his life and felt intuitively that future of India is in decentralized rural development. This vision he, which he stated in 1920s is even more valid today after almost 100 years. For example, it is a sad state of affairs that even after almost 72 years after independence, around 60% of our rural population lives in primitive conditions. They have hardly any electricity. They cook on primitive chulas, which create tremendous indoor air pollution and have not changed in thousands of years and have no clean drinking water. Their lives are in darkness and somehow the modern technology has not touched them. There are estimates that nearly 1 million deaths take place every year in India because of indoor air pollution and unclean drinking water. Unless and until scientists, technologists and decision makers improve, improve their quality of life, India will not join the ranks of developed nations. In order for this to happen, creation of wealth and employment should take place in rural areas. I believe that this is possible when agriculture provides both energy and food security for India in an economically viable manner. It is a land that provides the wealth of the country, a message that Gandhiji always gave regarding rural development. I will now show how this wealth can be created in rural areas, thereby creating all-round sustainable development. India produces close to 600 to 800 million tons per year of agriculture residues. Most of these residues are burned in the fields to solve the waste disposable problem. Not only does this create tremendous air pollution, but this burning is a waste of an important energy source. These agricultural residues can theoretically produce via lignocellulosic conversion about 150 billion liters per year of ethanol 
which can take care of about 50% of India's total oil demand. Similarly, if we go via the pyrolysis oil route, then it can provide 80% of India's diesel demand. Pyrolysis oil is more produced by rapid heating of biomass to 600 to 700 degrees Celsius and quenching the smoke rapidly to produce oil. This oil with suitable modifications is very close to diesel in characteristics. Alternatively, if these residues are burned in the biomass-based power plants, they can produce close to 80,000 megawatt of electricity or nearly 50% of India's total installed capacity. Biomass power plant is very well developed and it's a technology which uh, is very popular now in Europe and America. And they are close to around 100 plants in India with installed capacity of more than 500 megawatt. Presently, these residues, which constitute 60 to 75% of total biomass produced, do not, do not fetch any money for the farmers. Since these, since these residues can produce very high quality energy like electricity and chemicals, they should be properly priced. With such pricing, the farmer can easily get an extra income of 5,000 to 7,000 rupees per acre per season. This extra income can make farming remunerative and change the face of rural India. Besides easing India's present energy crisis, this can be around 200,000 crore per year industry. At the same time, the use of biomass for energy production can also produce about 50 million jobs in rural areas. Thus, farming for energy will lead to a very prosperous India. In coming years, quite a lot of these residues may also be diverted to produce organic fertilizer in rural-based high-tech units. Which stream the residues will go will be dictated by the local market forces. I also feel that when the farmers are neglected, the long-term sustainability of the country is threatened. When farms produce both food and fuel, then the utility becomes manifold. In India, 65% of its population depends upon farming. And with energy from agriculture as a major focus, India has the potential of becoming a high-tech farming community. This will help improve the rural environment and create a better India, something that Gandhiji always stressed. I also believe that this can be done by the use of high technology for rural applications. High technology allows the conversion of abundant locally available dilute energy sources like biomass, solar, wind, etc. into useful end products and services. Together with modern methods of production and distribution, they can also be very economically feasible. In this process, we need to follow nature and so the mantra of technology development should be biomimicry. Natural systems through millions of years have evolved into very efficient materials and energy converters. In this process, size of the system reduces and its efficiency and complexity increases. Some of our designs and technologies are following this strategy. For example, computer chips, cell phones, power plants, etc. are all, are all becoming very efficient, small in size, complex and economically viable. Technology developers should follow this strategy in developing rural technologies. So what are the lessons for future? Every citizen of this country or this earth aspires to a decent lifestyle. I believe such a lifestyle is possible with much less energy than is consumed by an average US citizen. For example, 
in the US the per capita energy consumption is 350 gigajoules per year whereas in India it is as low as 18 gigajoules per year if every citizen of this country of India has a consumptive lifestyle of America then all the resources of earth will only be sufficient for India alone i feel an energy consumption of 50 to 70 gigajoules per person per year or one fifth of that us can provide a decent and emotionally life satisfying lifestyle this is the amount of energy that i consume and hence this number has come from my uh, own uh, life and my own experience this energy consumption will give the lifestyle that europeans had in 1970s and this type of energy consumption will put much less pressure on earth's resources besides reducing substantially the environmental pollution however it can only happen if each one of us becomes spiritual and follow the gandhian maxim of simple living and high thinking once our basic needs are satisfied all of us long for some meaningful existence even the very rich are looking for some meaningful actions and purpose in their life happiness cannot be obtained by money alone it only comes when there is some meaningful some meaning to life that meaning i feel comes from helping others less fortunate people and by giving back something to society as engineers and scientists we can do it by providing right size technologies at the right price to the poor it is a doable goal what is needed is a direction and i and the will of political leadership to make the life of poor people better i also believe that the whole purpose of our existence is to increase personal and societal infrastructure personal infrastructure includes our health happiness and general well-being by improving our personal infrastructure through spirituality we become better humans human beings and helps in our emotional growth and evolution by giving back to the society so that its infrastructure increases we help in mankind's evolution both these activities when carried out simultaneously can give us a great joy and satisfaction a message that gandhi ji gave through his actual work and experiments thus the mantra of development should be spirituality with high technology both these things allow us to reduce our greed for resources and live in harmony with nature something that gandhi ji preached intuitively all his life